Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. To give you a quick background, uh, Customer Imperative is headquartered in Charleston. As Brandon mentioned, uh, we're founded back in 2017. And really what we focus on is customer success, technology, and operations. So we go in um, a lot of times and help implement the technologies, look at how we're operating from a customer perspective. And uh, at the same time, think about how strategy gets weaved into all of those elements. We focus on B2B SaaS companies, anywhere from 5 million up to 100 million in ARR. Um, we've got a couple clients that exceed that, but I think um, by and large, our clients uh, fit within that spectrum. As I mentioned, we've seen about 50 B2B SaaS companies over the last two and a half years, helped with various different problems across the, the spectrum in terms of post-sale operations, uh, customer success, professional services, support. Um, so you'll kind of see that we've got a diverse background and, and happy to answer questions uh, where we can and where it makes sense. To give you guys a quick overview, again, we've only got about 15 or 20 minutes of content, um, and then we'll get to questions pretty quickly. But we will articulate our reasoning for customer success and why it's imperative. Uh, Brandon already mentioned you know, how important it is from the capital side, but we'll uh, highlight some of those key elements, um, share some data points that we've acquired over the last number of years. We'll talk about a maturity model and kind of how customer success evolves uh, as you mature as a business, as you grow. And then we'll kind of get into trends and how to get started, um, just really easy and straightforward. But I think the trends and some of the pitfalls that we've seen are uh, gonna be key as you guys start to think about um, how customer success really takes part in some of your organizations. So first what we get to is capital, capital efficient growth. Um, so as you start to look at the, the chart here, uh, moving from left to right along the x-axis, what you'll start to see are some of the, the activities that happen with a customer whether that's acquiring new ARR, whether we're upselling them, expansion, or even renewal. And really the, the key message here is that as you move to the right and get towards renewal, you'll understand that the, the cost per acquisition decreases quite significantly. So you're looking at eight times less in order for us to retain a current customer than it is to go acquire a new customer. So starting to paint the picture of, of why customer success is important, especially in recurring revenue models, as you start to think about these key selling points or selling motions, um, you can start to see how an upsell is less than acquiring a new customer and expansion. So these are things that we really like to, to keep in front of our minds and think about how that keep, creates capital efficient growth for a business. Using some of that same point, so it costs us about $1.15 for every new dollar sold. So as you start to think about um, what we've got in front of us here, on the left-hand side, you're looking at 100% retention rate. On the right, you're moving down to 80%. If we have current existing ARR of about 10 million, and maybe our year two revenue goal is 12, that means we have to go acquire $2 million in ARR roughly, um, if you're staying in the left-hand column with me. So theoretically, that would cost us about 2.3 million to achieve. As you start to move to the right, you'll see a 95% retention rate. Our new ARR increases now to about 2.5 million and that increases the cost of the business to 2.9. And then fully, as you move to the right and to the kind of extreme, if you're looking at an 80% retention rate, you have to acquire $4 million in revenue. 
um, at a cost of about 4.6 to the business. So again, thinking about retention rate, uh, renewal periods and how that impacts the growth, um, looking at the capital requirements over a long term, you can start to see how retention rate becomes really important in trying to make sure we don't have a leaky bucket. Not only will your sales team be mad at you that you're, you know, now instead of selling two million, I have to go sell four, but as you start to think about the downstream effects, um, your investors will be happy, um, you'll start to create a little bit more of enterprise valuation for the business. CS is the driver of enterprise value, so the big point and you know what Brandon mentioned earlier for every one percent of revenue retention a SaaS company's value can increase by 12 percent after five years so I'm guessing everyone in the room would agree that increasing the value of the organization by 12 percent seems like a pretty enticing opportunity and again as you start to think about customer success it's kind of gone from a uh, as Brandon would mention a, a very fluffy you know is this really a real um, kind of thing in our business and now you're starting to see um, extremely thought out organizational models, start, you're starting to see structures and executions that you can start to put into your business and implement pretty quickly. We always like to say that it impacts revenue, it impacts your growth rate, and it impact, impacts the enterprise valuation. This to us is the really big um, picture. And when we go, you know, for our own business customer imperative, when we go into private equity companies, when we go to venture capital companies, this is absolutely a message that they understand and can receive um, as you're thinking about how customer success moves and navigates around the organization. So we've identified a little bit about how important it is, but what really is it? So from customer imperatives perspective, when you think about what customer success is, we always say it's proactively guiding customers through a life cycle that drives value for their business and growth opportunity for our business. So the two things that you might notice uh, in that definition is that we've carefully used the word proactive. When we walk into businesses, oftentimes customer success um, is something that becomes reactive over time. Um, maybe it starts out as support and then you're trying to make it into a strategic function, but at the same time, that person or that team who is thinking about from a customer success management perspective is still on the back foot. There's not proactive strategies. There's not um, kind of an outreach or an engagement strategy that we're putting in place. The second thing to call out too is that in our definition, we're not necessarily calling out a specific function or position. Uh, we don't necessarily call out customer success. We don't really call out uh, customer success management. We really believe that customer success becomes a company-wide initiative. And you'll start to see how the organization might support that. There might be a CSM team. But really, when you start getting down to what does customer success mean um, to an organization, you'll start to see that there is a, an impact on the business, but there is a different organizational model that we can put in place. So the challenges that we've typically seen, um, when you look at the, the left-hand chart here and when you're looking at the life cycle across a customer, there's something that we uh, have seen over time and, and taken from um, other elements that we've seen, but the trough of despair. So as you go through this pre-sales process, and even as a customer yourself, you buy something and then you immediately go into what we would think of as a trough of despair. Maybe you bought an enterprise product and they're changing hands between a sales rep and uh, my account manager or a CSM and I have to re-answer questions that I've already answered. Uh, maybe they don't talk to me for two or three weeks. Uh, maybe I get a bill before I even actually onboard as a customer. Um, so there's this trough that inevitably happens um, after somebody purchases software. So our idea and the concept of thinking what is customer success is really how do we improve that experience? How do we kind of minimize the trough of despair as much as we can? 
some of the, the elements that we see are the challenges, an uncoordinated customer lifecycle, unknown customer health, so not really knowing if your customer is successful or not, uh, unpredictable revenue, which not knowing if you have risk in the revenue base uh, becomes extremely important to how you can grow as a business. The inability to prioritize, so almost an analysis paralysis that starts to happen. And then defense, not offense. You know, CS does not support as you mature as an organization. So how do you make it valuable and proactive? Again, as you start thinking about uh, organizations that we've seen and, and what high performers in terms of customer success teams, we always see a customer-centric culture from the top down. Um, we see clarity of purpose. And what we really mean by that is the roles and responsibilities that are outlined for a customer team are very discreet and specific so that everyone understands the role that they're playing throughout that entire customer journey. Um, speaking of which, you have a planned customer journey. So you're taking an outside-in perspective and thinking about how do I bring the customer all the way from a selling motion through the renewal that's going to end up coming next year? What are all those elements that happen throughout that time period? Net retention growth. So not only renewing that customer, but at the same time thinking about are there opportunities that they could expand their usage? Do we have other products now to sell them that we didn't have last year? Um, and then offense, not defense, something that you will hear us say quite often. So how do we start to think about customer success is breaking it down into the customer jobs to be done. So we have six activities that we think about here, you know, starting with you have to go sell or book the new logo. You need to onboard customers onto the platform. You need to help expand their adoption and the value that they're receiving from your platform or software. You have to build brand advocates and people who become references for you. You have to renew contracts on a cycle. And then you have to think about expanding the usage and the upsell at the right opportunities. So as you think about these six activities, these are what we would boil down as to almost the customer journey. Now you can get very specific and descriptive. You know, there's uh, we have plenty of templates and frameworks to use, but when you really get it down to its simplest form, these are the six activities that you really can't drop the ball on. So as you start to look at these six, you might start pinpointing and say, well, I've got a sales rep to do new logos. Um, and then maybe I have, you know, myself or a CSM, a customer success manager who's going to onboard, adopt, build brand advocates, renew and do usage and up, expand usage and upsell. And that's where you'll start to see how the maturity of an organization changes over time. There's not one person that can necessarily do five out of those six activities at any given time. So really thinking about how the support structure of the organization, how we design the organization becomes extremely important, again, through the maturity of your growth. When you're thinking about going from, you know, $0 million in ARR all the way up to 100, um, there starts to be similarities in the way that organizations are designed um, that we've seen can help you over time. So this is, in from our perspective, again, over the last two years, how we started to look at the maturity curve um, across B2B SaaS organizations. So looking across people, process, platform, and metrics, really what are the things that we've seen at those stage companies and how does that shift over time? One thing that you've noticed in the sub $10 million category, which is probably not news to anyone, is that uh, in the people, you're really looking for generalist roles. You need people who can be independent, can go get outcomes done without much support. That probably speaks to a lot of the, the first hires that you're having in your organization. Within the processes, it's really tribal knowledge that's shared. It's not necessarily that we have time um, to, you know, to document what we're doing currently today. The platforms, you know, there's not necessarily 
the dollars that we would want or hope to invest in certain platforms that can help us uh, move the needle. And then metrics, you know, we're really focused on new logo acquisition and gross renewals um, as the two main metrics of the business in that sub 10 million, 10 million category. As you start to move to the right, especially in the people, what you'll notice is you're starting to get more specific in terms of roles. Uh, you might start hiring a specific person for onboarding or implementation. You're gonna look at specific support roles that might come into the business. You might introduce um, sales executives um, and sales architects up in the earlier in the process. As you move down to the process row, what you're gonna start to see is that you're starting to document processes not only that, but you're looking at a specific customer journey. You're starting to segment your customer base in a way that allows you to think about the journey and how that difference, how that differentiates between certain customers that you might have. The platforms, you start evolving outside of just an accounting software or spreadsheets. You might get into a CRM or automated marketing, and eventually there's customer success tools that could become available and are the, you fit the right size and the right time and maturity um, to bring them and help you further with reporting, uh, data and insights, looking at account health scoring um, becomes extremely important. And then the metrics, you'll start to see that you can just start to take a, a deeper level. You're looking at customer health and NPS, uh, you're getting into time to value, and then eventually, eventually you're getting into predictive analytics, hopefully. Um, you're starting to look a little bit further ahead into, hey, I've got a renewal cycle that's coming in the next 90 days. How much of that is at risk? What do we need to do about that? How do we mitigate that before uh, the renewal actually comes. So again, this is just a, a, our perspective as you start moving across the spectrum, the things that change um, within the maturity. And what that means for us is when you look at a customer success organization at maturity, you'll start to see that these individualized functions start to happen. So you've got professional services that might roll into a, a chief customer officer. In professional services, you might have implementation, project management, solution consulting, um, training and enablement, as you move to the right, you'll see customer support or client care. That becomes your support arm. You'll notice that that is also the reactive arm of the business. All these other functions we see as proactive in nature. They need to have a very prescriptive approach to, to what we're doing with the customer and there has to be an intended outcome. Customer success management. This is what gets into kind of the, the buzzword of today or what people think of as customer success are these CSMs and they're handling account management, they're looking at adoption, um, potentially identifying expansion opportunities, renewals and upsells. And then you're finally starting to see a trend in, in, the, um, in the market right now that is looking at CS operations. So not only do we have those six activities that have to happen with the customer, but as a leader, you also have to think about organizing a team. You have to think about putting the processes in place, the reporting out to the board members, so what we've started to see is um, a similar evolution from sales ops and marketing ops is you're starting to see a customer success operations arm in the business. And what they're really looking at is forecasting and planning for the customer team. They're looking at data analytics and systems. So they're really trying to look at some of the, the changes that need to happen, the process and documentation. Um, we recently spoke with uh, an executive from Aruba Networks, which is a, a, an HPE acquisition. And he actually talked about how he designed his organization and, and actually hired customer success operations first before he even hired a customer success manager. So there's certainly different ways to start thinking about building the organization and structure. Um, certainly depends on product complexity, uh, where you are in maturity, how much you know funding that you have, revenue that you currently have today, but 
Um, we thought that was an interesting take that he started with operations to really get some of the data process and systems in place before he brought in a, a team of uh, CSMs to start handling the, the customer journey. So a couple of trends that we're seeing right now, um, customer success operations, like we just mentioned, is a big one. Uh, we're seeing CS investment being treated as a capital kind of one-time um, investment in the business. We're seeing technology come into earlier stage companies. So um, you're, you're most likely hearing uh, names like Gainsight, StrikeDeck um, in the, the space today, but now what we're starting to see are some of the smaller players um, trying to get entry into customer success technology. And so they're creating a lower price point um, for organizations that are uh, earlier on in their maturity curve. You're starting to see uh, customer success directly tied to revenue. I think this is just a, a huge one that, again, uh, from Brandon's point earlier, kind of takes it from fluffy and makes it real. When you start to associate customer success with revenue, you know, putting renewal or upsell opportunities um, on kind of the doorstep of CSMs, that's when it becomes extremely tangible and people around the organization can start to see how it can really be a benefit to the organization. And then automation is not the silver bullet to your engagement strategy. Um, you might be hearing things right now like tech touch. Um, we're trying to build as much automation as possible, but um, I think what we're here to tell you is that automation can be great, but at the same time, it doesn't necessarily re replace what your engagement strategy is. Um, you can't necessarily think about technology as, as a strategy. Um, it really needs to be kind of the reverse, right? What is the strategy that we're going to implement in the technology? A couple of pitfalls that we've seen. So um, customer success matures in the organization. It is not support. Um, you might, as you start to mature, you might hear a customer success manager who's dealing with a client and it sounds like support and there needs to start to be really clear roles and responsibilities that are defined um, to give a CSM the uh, specific goals of whether that's renewal, adoption, but moving the support over to a support function. Talking to your customers is not always providing value. I think this is a, a misconception um, right now as well that if you reach out to your client and you just have a, a one-off phone call, hey, I'm checking in on how you're doing, that's not necessarily customer success. That's not necessarily providing value. So really thinking through those touch points and how it has to be important of what's the value activity that we're driving at this key moment and why are we having that discussion? Why are we having that touch point? Customer success can scale with only people. You need process and technology. It sounds pretty straightforward, but uh, you'd be shocked at how many organizations we walk in uh, you know, that are 50, 60, 70 million dollars in recurring revenue and still think that they can continue to hire more people and not necessarily think about the process and technology as being a way to scale their organization. Not using customer success and feedback to inform your go-to-market strategy. I think this creating a voice of the customer program, a feedback loop becomes extremely important when you're thinking about the growth of the organization. If you have customer success managers who are engaging with your customers on the weekly, monthly, regular cadence, you have to find ways to kind of extract what they're hearing and use that to your advantage and go to market and product wherever you can, but creating that closed loop feedback um, is extremely important. And then not looking at customer success as a growth engine. Hopefully uh, from the first couple of slides, what you've noticed is that we're really trying to articulate the picture that customer success can have a positive impact on the revenue of the business. They can look at renewals, but really identifying uh, upsell and cross-sell opportunities, looking for expansion and, and tying in adoption across that whole spectrum. Um, customer success can be a, that proactive strategy that you're looking for. So where to start in the early days? Um, 
hire your first DSM and move, right? You just have to get that first person in the door. Like we mentioned earlier, you need a generalist, you need somebody who's great with technology. Um, we typically see that person uh, almost as a free safety in the early days um, from a football analogy, right? They're kind of seeing the entire field. They can help out in uh, a number of different areas. And that's kind of what you need early on. And focus on onboarding and support first. So don't think of uh, necessarily hiring just an account management function right off the beginning, but think about how am I onboarding my customers? Are we actually truly getting them onboarded in a timely manner? Are they getting time to value very quickly? And then are we actually uh, getting them to use the system? You know, first line support, do they have things that they're, questions that they're asking, things that they're not necessarily being able to use in the platform? We need to address those things first as well. And then start to document your market segmentation and customer journey. One of the things that you'll hear us, especially probably during the question and answer portion, uh, say over and over is how, how important segmentation is, um, even in the post-sale world. So not only is it important when you're starting to think about your sales strategy and who you're going after in terms of your addressable market, but that becomes extremely important in the way that you service your clients. Um, there's different frameworks that you can use. You can uh, look at it you know, based off of well, what industry they're in, what problem we're solving for them, how big they are. Uh, how much ARR they're giving us. There's a ton of different ways to segment your customers, but really thinking through that strategy is important. That can change the entire engagement that you have with them. Maybe if I'm, you know, if I have a cohort of customers, we'll say 10 customers that I'm solving the same problem for, maybe there's a specific way I engage with them versus another cohort of customers that I solve a completely different problem for. Um, so it really starts to inform your engagement strategy across the organization. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.